so glad you're with us here on the Clark Howard Show, where it's about you and that wallet of yours. I want you to learn ideas from me so you can save more, spend less, and don't let anyone ever rip you off. Our web address, Clark.com. So something that has been confusing to a lot of entrepreneurs and small business owners is how the new tax law and new, I mean, it's been a year, but how it's going to work for you filing your tax return for last year. There is a special provision in the law to try to change some of the extreme unfairness that was drafted into the law that gave giant corporations massive tax cuts, but gave small business owners nothing, nothing, not even crumbs. So there was a provision added that is ridiculously complicated, but it allows you, if you have a LLC or you have an S corporation or a small business, uh, pretty much any kind outside of areas I'll mention to you, to pay a lower tax rate. So what happens is, in most small businesses, the profits of that business pass to your personal tax return. And then you have a tax rate based on your overall earnings. So Congress had to design a workaround to effectively lower tax rates on individually owned and small businesses so that they wouldn't be paying potentially a much, much, much higher rate than the world's largest companies. And so the way it works is the income you have from your business, as long as your business is in an eligible category, the income you have then qualifies for a credit. And so the credit lowers your rate uh, significantly by about 20% of the tax you would have paid you don't have to pay that tax now. The formulas are complicated. It's going to be difficult for a small business owner who may historically have done his or her own return, maybe doing his or her own return using tax software. If you have a business that's been successful, profitable, you generated good income last year, this would be a year that you want to seek professional tax help and pay someone to prepare your return so that you don't pay more tax than you need to. The formulas are the kind of things that make your eyes glaze over. And there are certain professions that are not eligible for this new tax credit. As an example, entertainers, uh, me as a talk show host, I'm not eligible. Doctors. Dentists, lawyers, accountants. Um, there are a small number of other categories. Athletes were cut out of it. So uh, most anybody else is eligible. The ironic thing is that there are a number of people in the categories that were excluded who, because of other changes in the new tax law, will potentially pay substantially more a percent of their income in federal taxes than they paid before the tax law went into effect last year. 
But for most small business owners, you've got to know to claim for this in order to get the savings. Because if you don't know to claim for it, you'll pay taxes at a much higher rate than you should. And that's why talking to a tax professional would be key. Even though the IRS is affected by the partial government shutdown, the new rules that explain this specifically have just been published by the U.S. Treasury. And you, in the next few days, will be able to find an explanation of these guidelines that have been published at irs.gov. But again, unless you are a brainiac and love trying to figure out the tax code, this is a year if you made a lot of money in your small business, you want that professional who understands these rules to prepare that return. Promise. Kevin's with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Kevin. Hello, how are you? Great, thank you, Kevin. You are going to be done with college. How soon? Yes, so I will graduate this May with my bachelor's degree in health and human performance. Huh, and what are you going to do with that? So I'm going to take a gap year and then go to graduate school for occupational therapy. OT. OT and PT are big right now. And with an aging population, the need is going to be so great. Good choice. How many years is OT school going to take you? It should take two to two and a half years, but it's kind of in a weird... um, So a lot of schools are in a weird transition process right now because by 2027, all graduate schools will require a doctorate level degree. So right now it's a master's degree, but there are a lot of schools starting to transition. So which are you going to be? You're going to decide to become a doctor or a master level? Master level. There's no difference. Okay. Honestly. (laughs) Well, how can Uh, I be of service to you? I'm sorry? How can I be of service to you? Yes, so I plan on taking a gap year before graduate school, and I have a car right now who, you know, it has a lot of miles on it. So I'm looking to get another car, but for graduate school, I'm not going to be able to afford, you know, the payments and the insurance in the car. So I just need a car for a year that's reliable yet affordable. Wow. All right. So the vehicle you have is paid for, right? Yes, but it has 200 and. 20,000 miles on it. How reliable has it been so far? Uh, so far, it has been pretty reliable, but um, I'm from Michigan, and so a lot of the roads and you know a lot of the weather has really taken its toll on the car. And with all the potholes so many communities in Michigan complain about, you probably need an army tank to get around to deal with the potholes. You know, it was actually pretty interesting. The last, I think it was last year, I went back to Michigan and I ended up bending my rim because I hit a pothole that was so massive. Yeah, it's just, it's ridiculous, isn't it? It really is. Yeah. So, and, and, you know, it's not like it hadn't been a problem in Michigan for more than a minute. This has been a problem in Michigan, uh, gosh, I feel like for at least a generation. At least. Yeah. So no excuse for that. So this becomes tough because 
for you to buy a vehicle for just a year's time, you're going to, even if it's going to be newer than what you have, you're going to want to buy something that is six years old or older. And let me explain the reasoning for that, okay? Okay. The reason is, is that if you look at what's known as the depreciation curve on a car, when the first three years have the greatest drop in depreciation, but there's still um, a bit of a slope in the fourth and fifth year. By the time you hit the sixth year, there's very little loss in value year by year after that. And since you're only going to have the vehicle for one year, you don't want to end up paying a lot of loss and value of that vehicle for that year. And so you should mm-hmm. be able to find a six-year-old vehicle that has somewhere around uh, as little as 60,000 miles to you don't want to go past 80,000 miles on a car of that age. So it'll still have plenty of useful life on it. Okay. Does that seem reasonable um, or discouraging to you? It does, but I've also thought about um, leasing a used car. And I know, I think the qualifications for like some dealerships is it has to be within four years old. But I was thinking like a Ford Fiesta, something small, something good on gas mileage. All right, let me give you a different idea because you brought up something I should have mentioned. And that okay. is there's, a, there's two websites. One's called Swap-A-Lease. And the other one is called, it'll come to me in a minute, um, where you take over the remainder of somebody's lease. The other's called Lease Trader. And as I think that through, second you mentioned leasing a used car, it hit me that if you can qualify taking over the last year of somebody's lease might be the perfect answer for you. Okay. Although I still really love the idea of you buying a six-year-old vehicle. How much do you think that would cost? Six-year-old vehicle, depending on the vehicle, you're probably somewhere uh, where you could find a really reliable one around 10000 And then when you'd sell it a year later, you wouldn't sell it for a substantial amount less than what you paid for it. Okay. But check out uh, the two websites I talked about because there are a lot of people in leases that want out. There are people like you that benefit from a short-term obligation. I mean, like a year is almost like a long-term rental. Mm-hmm. And if the numbers make sense, then why don't you grab one of those deals? But otherwise, six years is the sweet spot. And just have whatever you look at, um, have it checked out by a mechanic of your choosing, particularly with a vehicle that's got six years of history, there could be a lot of things that could be gotchas for you. So you need it thoroughly checked out. Lance is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Lance. Hi. How are you? you? I'm good. How can I serve you, Lance? Well, I got uh, two postcards in the mail, um, one addressed to me, one to my wife. Uh, it appears to be in regard to an Experian data breach uh, class action lawsuit, and they're offering you know free credit monitoring and insurance and a $40 cash payment. I only care and about the cash payment. 
Yeah, me too. I already got my credit frozen, so that, that was that was what I was really interested in. Yeah, it's not a lot cash. of cash. This was tied up with one of the cell phone carriers, if I remember right. Oh, okay. And uh, are you, let me see, Joel, our producer Joel already found it for me. Right, so it's uh, T-Mobile. Were you a T-Mobile customer at some point or uh, now? Uh, yeah, I was at some point a okay. while back. So this was back um, like four years ago that there was uh, a hole in the security. And so people who had applied for service with T-Mobile had their data exposed. And so the class action generates 40 bucks for you. Uh-huh. So you just have okay. to mail the postcard back, and they really yeah. will send you the 40 bucks. Okay. Just wanted to check because I'm hesitant to give my information out to anyone unless I initiated it. Uh, Understood, but the, you know, and, and with class action lawsuits, it is just one of those things. They all sound like scams when you get them. Yeah, exactly. But you right. you fit the check marks for this, and so you should grab your forty. All right, I uh, will. I'll do it. All right, have a great day. All right, thank you. Bye. You're, bye. Ross is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Ross. How are you today? Good afternoon. I'm great. Thank you. Ross, you want to talk CES, the Consumer Electronics Show. <laughs> Absolutely. What's the but most exciting I... thing you've heard about from this year's CES? Well, what I specifically what I was wondering about, I heard you mention uh, some service that you had uh, utilized uh, that was uh, you're using to pick uh, gifts for your wife. That This is an interactive service that asked you some questions about her, and it came back with some amazing gift opportunities, and my significant other, my wife, beautiful wife, is having a, a significant birthday this, this year, and I'd like to use it. Well, the thing I talked about is something that was developed in Britain, and it's called Boon, B-O-O-N, mm-hmm. dot com, and it's free to use because, I'm sorry, uh, Boon dot gifts, I'm sorry, I forgot it's not a dot com, Boon dot gifts, G-I-F-T-S. They probably don't realize in the United States, you should always register .com instead of some other cutesy thing. So with Boone, what I did was I answered a series of questions about my wife, who I never can figure out what to buy her, and then it came back with like fantastic choices for her. Then I tried it for one of my daughters, and it didn't narrow it at all for me with stuff that I said, oh, that would be a great choice for her. So it it may be a bit hit or miss as they work on the algorithms, but it was absolutely perfect, as the Brits would say, spot on for my <laughs> wife. And so I found three things that would be great to get her. And you get to choose a price range you're interested in and then you can click to purchase or just check out the item right from the link on their website. Okay. Thank you. Sure. So I hope it works for you. I do too. Okay. Have a great day. Thanks. And Joel, I think we can sneak in and ask Clark here. Let's do it, Clark. Joseph wrote in. He said, I'm 56 years old, married. We're debt-free, including the house. We have just over $1 million in our retirement accounts. 
If either my wife or I has to go into a nursing home, though, I don't want to destroy the hard work that we've done to build what we have for retirement. So when does it make sense for me to buy long-term care insurance, and how do I shop for the best policy and coverage that makes sense? 56, right? That's right. So you're getting right into the window, I like late 50s, early 60s, to look at long-term care insurance. The industry's pretty beat up right now. Uh, A lot of insurers didn't set up the actuarial tables right years ago, and they've lost a lot of money in the business. There aren't that many players left in it. In fact, my long-term care insurance guide at Clark.com is down to just a handful of companies you would get quotes from, and this would be an appropriate point at which to do so, but I got to tell you, the options and choices are not like they used to be. You're going to be more limited in what you can get. It's my pleasure to welcome you to the Clark Howard Show, where it's about your empowerment with knowledge so you can save more and spend less and don't let anyone ever rip you off. You ever feel ripped off by me? You feel like I overpromised, underdelivered? I failed to give you the level of advice and information you expect? That's why we have Clark Stinks. It's where you can go to Clark.com and post your beef with me. And let me and let others know where you feel I didn't live up to my promises to you. And you can write whatever you want to. Others can comment on what you've said. They get to read what you said. They can agree with you, disagree, whatever. And then once a week, our producer Krista goes through your posts on Clark Stinks and shares highlights with you right here on the air. I should have never encouraged you to speak. You must think I'm pretty stupid. You should be ashamed of yourself. Well, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe you're right, pal. All right, Clark, we're going to start with this one. I am a doctor and heard the segment from CES on snoring. Your segment did not contain one area of concern about sleep apnea, and I'm not sure if the makers of the anti-snoring app slash device warns its customers that severe snoring may also be due to a serious medical condition called obstructive sleep apnea. The user should find out if they have sleep apnea before using this device. If sleep apnea is left untreated, severe heart, lung, and blood pressure problems can develop. If the makers of this new device suggest that it will treat sleep apnea, it needs FDA approval. Finally, how this device affects the sleep pattern could also lead to sleep deprivation that some research suggests might result in early onset dementia. And this is, by the way, the second comment we've had from a doctor about that segment from CES. The other was a caller on the air. And I appreciate very much both of you speaking on this. And the other person felt very strongly that I should go have a sleep apnea test because of apparently the snoring I do during the night. But I'll have to take one of our dogs as well who snores the whole night. (laughs) Do dogs get sleep apnea? All right, this one's from Dan in Ohio. He says, you stink, Clark. After telling us the benefits of a a higher-cost printer so we can get cheap ink, your deal team had the deal online for a cheap printer. Please tell your deal team to listen to you and have a deal on one of the more expensive printers so we can save the ink, too. Thanks and love the show. Well, I appreciate that. So what we do at Clark Deals is we give the deals that we think are really noteworthy But with the printer that you're talking about, there are a lot of people 
who use a printer for low volume and my whole thinking that you want to buy a more expensive printer that the ink is basically free is not relevant to somebody who does very, very light volume printing. And that's why we would list an ultra cheap printer like you saw. Clark, quit leading people astray. The Fidelity 2% cashback card is actually a 1% cashback card in disguise. Yes, you get two points for each dollar spent, but each point is worth only 50 cents when you get it as a cash redemption or a statement credit. So it's really a 1% card. Well, the whole design of the Fidelity card and the reason you get penalized if you take it as cash is the purpose of it is to get you to put that money into either a Fidelity 529 college savings plan or a Fidelity Roth IRA or then as a third alternative in a Fidelity investment account, in which case you do get 2%. But if you want it simple, well, kind of simple, and you want to get 2% cash back, get the city double cash, which has no annual fee and just straight out gives you 1% when you charge something, 1% when you pay the bill, 2%, two cents on each dollar. On January 14th, you talked about federal employees not being paid. I was shocked that you completely missed that military members of the U.S. Coast Guard are missing a paycheck on January 15th. Obviously, they still have to work and don't have a lot of spare time to deal with this. Please recognize these members of the military that they are not being paid. And I appreciate that. And I'm glad you read that, Krista. And uh, there was just, uh, I think he's the head of the Coast Guard, just lost his temper talking about how they have been ignored in all this. And partial government shutdowns like we're in now are so brutal for people and their families and their lives and the stability of their lives. And it is something that those of us who don't work for the government or aren't have not been affected by a shutdown don't really appreciate the hardship that's visited on others. By the way, Coast Guard often faces more violent situations doing their duty than any other branch of the U.S. military. No-fee debit cards often not accepted abroad. Over the summer, I took my Charles Schwab no-fees visa debit card from my investor checking account to Europe and attempted to use it at multiple ATMs throughout my trip. Unfortunately, it was rejected by all of the ATMs I tried, including those attached to local banks. Luckily, I had my Wells Fargo debit card with me, which worked perfectly fine, however incurred fees for each use. The Schwab card did work for other purchase-type transactions. I think those foreign institutions may be keen to Schwab's routine of stiffing them on fees and just reject the card type altogether. I'd be curious to know how those fees are actually handled by the banks in these scenarios. Okay, I am so glad you posted this, and I'm so sorry you had this problem. All right, so the bank that you go to use the ATM at, they get the same money they always do when you use a Schwab debit card to withdraw funds wherever you are in the world. Schwab absorbs that fee. You'll even see on your Schwab statement that there was a fee charged of $3 or whatever, and then you're credited back that $3. So for the the bank ATM you go to, there's no difference for them with your Wells Fargo card or the Schwab card. The problem almost certainly, 
and it's happened to me everywhere I go in the world, the Schwab fraud system, somehow, even when you've told them that you're going on a trip and you've done a travel alert, somehow, inevitably, more often than not, thinks that your withdrawal is fraudulent. So but not it's the purchases? Not, uh, well, it depends on how large the purchases are. When you go to an ATM, you're generally taking out a larger chunk of money and their system tends to reject that. So you got to do a foreign travel notice that you do. You sign in show up account. You set that up. And then be prepared, as I've had to do from, uh, gosh, how many different parts of the world have I had to do this? I then have to call them. Fortunately, I'm on T-Mobile, so it's 25 cents a minute for the call. <laughs> and get them to unblock the card, and then it works fine. Simplified tax. How about fair tax? Clark, on a recent podcast, you just, you covered AOC's proposed 70% on $10 plus million income tax, ultimately recommending how we need a more simplified tax system. How about fair tax? In essence, you keep your entire pay- paycheck and sales tax goes up. For thir- the thrifty types, this is a win. But for those who have money to burn, they'll continue to buy expensive products and services and won't even notice. This also helps getting tax money from undocumented workers. Thanks, Martin. And Martin, not only does it help with people that are in the country illegally, it also helps with uh, people who, uh, well, maybe they don't report all their income and you're grabbing tax when they make purchases. But the reason you don't hear me talk about the fair tax is what I've considered is likely to happen is that if we adopt a national sales tax or value-added tax, what's happened in other countries is that you don't get rid of the income tax and you just add to it a national sales tax. So you don't truly eliminate the income tax. It just gives government another way to tax us. Just look at most states have both income taxes and sales taxes. In Canada, income tax and two levels of added on equivalent of sales tax, federal and provincial, the equivalent of their states. Clark, you gave good advice to the woman interested in Airbnb rental in New York, but I got a little whiff of something unpleasant when you failed to mention a couple of things relevant to her questions. One, if her main concern is being sure she'll end up in a decent place that as, as advertised, she should consider superhost rentals. Superhost status must be earned and maintained, so there's a much smaller risk of disappointment renting a superhost property. Two, in addition to checking the cancellation policy and carefully reading the full description and the reviews as you recommended, she should also look at the total price, including cleaning and other added fees. Some hosts offer seemingly great per night prices, but charge higher than average cleaning fees and or additional mandatory fees that drive the actual cost way up. I think it's the Airbnb version of resort fees. Hope this helps. That does help. I appreciate you taking the time for that post very much. Amica Auto Insurance. This company is supposed to be one of the top three auto insurance companies on your site. They just quoted me for full coverage insurance, $730 per month on one vehicle. How can you tell me they're the best when they're ripping people off? Stop singing their praises, Clark. Wait, wait. Almost $9,000 a year to insure a single car? Yeah. Wow. 
it's, hey, we don't pay that. We have a Mika for three You've people, been a Mika for a long a time, right? Yes, yes. And it, the cost does go down. Yeah. Okay. So I, I can't speak to what happened with underwriting in your situation, but obviously they don't want you at Amica. But Amica, the reason they are, uh, it's not me, it's in the surveys that are done by uh, various organizations, principally Consumer Reports and J.D. Power, they rank as the best or next to best insurer year after year in virtually any survey ever done because of how they treat people when you have a claim. I love Clark, but it's very frustrating that he and the staff are constantly posting on social media the imperative about having a will. However, there's never any information about what to do with the will once you've completed it. My husband and I both live away from our families. What are we supposed to do with completed wills? Clark, please... Please tell folks to write wills and complete the information. What do we do with it? We don't have attorneys, so who do we give the will to? Please, please, please provide the rest of the information. Thanks so much, Stacy. Stacy, I appreciate that. And there is no one right answer to it, but the most common answer is that you have it in a designated place that you make sure your trusted loved ones know where that is. I gave mine to you. Do you remember that you have it? <laughs> I, did. I didn't remember that. You have it in a file cabinet. I do. So I'm the trusted one? Yeah. And I didn't even know I had it? Just a reminder. Okay. So that's what you do is you make sure you give it to somebody who's not flaky <laughs> like I am and that they would remember that in the event of your untimely passing that they have it. <laughs> wow. I really am a flakazoid. You know, that's something... Listeners really aren't aware of. Okay, quickly, from what I understand of 457 plans, if you retire from the field, there are no penalties for early withdrawals. It's true that you have to pay taxes, but unlike other retirement plans, there is no 10% or other additional penalty. 457 rules send my head spinning. They are, thank goodness, they are not a common question for us. And I always feel like I have one hand tied behind my back when I do answer those questions, and I appreciate that post. And I want to hear more from you. If you feel that I have missed the mark, please take time to go to Clark.com, go to Clark Stinks, and let me know just like your fellow listeners did. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Hey, listeners, whether you love true crime or comedies, celebrity interviews, news, or even motivational speakers, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue, right? And guess what? Now you can call the shots on your auto insurance, too. Enter the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. The Name Your Price tool puts you in charge of your auto insurance by working just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance. Then they'll show you a variety of coverages that fit within your budget giving you options. Now, that's something you'll want to press play on. It's easy to start a quote, and you'll be able to choose the best option for you, fast. It's just one of the many ways you can save with Progressive Insurance. Quote today at Progressive.com to try the Name Your Price tool for yourself and join over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Andrew is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Andrew. How you doing? Hey, good, Clark. How are you? Great. Thank you, Andrew. How can I be of service to you? So I'm currently going phone shopping, and I want to know, is it, what, what phone right now is the best to buy 
And should I buy it from an online retailer or the official company website? So I got to first ask you, what do you mean by best to buy? Like what's the best deal or what's the fanciest phone or what is it you're thinking? Like the most advanced phone or, yeah, advanced phone that you could get at a pretty sweet deal. So in my mind, the best deal where function and quality and features meet price is the OnePlus 6. Have you heard of that? No, I have not. There's a company called OnePlus, and they only put out one phone at a time. And so that phone is one that they pour in every feature they can put into it. And what they do is they price their phones at half what the flagship Samsung and Apple phones cost. And so the OnePlus 6, there's also a version of it called the OnePlus 6T, is the phone that people that are really into technology just go crazy over the OnePluses. And there are lots of people that every time OnePlus comes out with a new phone, they are so sold on OnePlus that they buy it sight unseen before they even know any features about it. They're that into it. They don't advertise, and it's just a phone that has this cult following that numbers in the millions of people in the United States. Now, what network do you operate on? I am currently on T-Mobile, uh, right, not so, on the contract. All right, so T-Mobile offers the 6T with, a, with special offers on that version of the OnePlus. It has a 6.4 or 6.5-inch screen, very fast, good camera. I mean, it's just really a, an exceptional value. It retails at T-Mobile, if I remember right, for $579 which, again, is half what the latest Samsung and iPhone cost. But T-Mobile offers special trade-in deals that lower the price of that 579 Okay. And you may find a OnePlus 6, which came out just months before the 6T, you may find it at a lower cost. And it's also a phone that if you look around, even though a lot of people love OnePlus phones, there are people who buy it, try it, and don't like it. You may find one that's barely been used at a really good price on eBay. All right. But when you ask, and... when you ask what is the deal in the marketplace for a phone that, that makes no compromises, that's the one. And that's why I would say that is the absolute choice. It's a horse race with everybody else lengths behind what OnePlus is up to. You're listening to The Clark Howard Show. Thanks for joining us today. The Clark Howard Show is produced by Kim Drobes, Joel Larsgaard, Deborah Reese, and Jim Ayers. And remember, 24 hours a day, we're there to serve you at Clark.com and ClarkDeals.com.